Antonio, welcome. Thank you, Rudy. It's Thank good you to for, have you here. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, it, we always wanted to have you on the show, and we're glad that you're able to make time, especially on short notice, to come and visit us. Right. It was a pretty short notice, but <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm loving it. I, I love the idea to be here and, and share my story. Oh, and your story is an amazing one. So let, let's start. You've been with St. Faustina for how many years now? Well, I, um, since the very beginning, I, uh, I remember I was, um, with my wife, uh, at mass at, um, Epiphany uh-huh. here in Katy and father, dad came in and gave a little talk and he mentioned that, you know, another parish was already authorized and the name it was going to be St. Faustina. And back then we were studying uh, her diary. At that moment. Oh wow! Yes. So uh, it was That's awesome. Yeah, it was. It was. It was great. We felt the call right there, right at that moment. My uh-huh. wife and I, and I called Father Dad the very next day to ask him if I can, you know, do anything for him. And uh, he said, "Well, what do you what do you know how to do?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, I can sing," and uh-huh. I did uh, join the choir immediately after that. Nice. And then we saw each other. That's right. At the at the first practices, even before mass started, it was a, a month ahead of time. I think that's so. that's right. Yeah. And you've been serving with the choir ever since. Yes. And even your kids. Now my kids are serving, and it's just a blessing. It is a blessing. Yes. Uh, uh, Vivian started with a children's choir, and later on uh, during the summers, Tony asked me if he can come and join the adult choir uh-huh. uh, during his summers. And he started it like that. And uh, now they're serving at 4.30 mass. And it's just a blessing too. When Tony joined the, the adult choir, I was like, oh, I got to step up my game a little here. <laughs> this guy's good. <laughs> yeah, he's been blessed with a gift, definitely. And uh, they, we love music at home. Uh-huh. And uh, we love to worship and pray. So this is just, it is a huge blessing for uh, my family. Have you always been musically inclined, even so, even since you were young? Yes. Yes. Uh, I have never uh, taken any um, um, formal music education, uh-huh. but I, I have always liked to sing. And um, I had a little band when I was in high school. Did you play the guitar? Yes, I do. No. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the, 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 I don't know how to read music or anything like that, but I play by ear and, uh, and, and it was fun during those days singing, sing with mariachi and nice. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Monterey, Mexico, but you were born here in the U S yes. Right? I was born in Chicago. This is a, a different story. Most people, they were there and they moved to the United States. Yes. Me, I was the opposite. How did that happen? Um, my, my father, He's, uh, he was from uh, Zacatecas, Mexico. Okay. And uh, he joined the armed forces um, to become um, not a citizen, but uh, a resident, a, okay. legal, a legal resident. And that's the reason he moved here to, uh, he moved to Chicago and uh, my three older brothers and myself, we were born in Chicago, and then we moved to Monterey, Mexico. Okay. And two of my little sisters uh, were born there. How, how old were you when you moved to 
Mexico. When I moved to Mexico, I was, uh, I think, four or five years old. Oh, so you have no memory of Chicago, really? I have a few memories. And then I went back, of course, during some summers. And, okay. and I've been there, you know, lately. Our, our so, stories are pretty similar then, because my dad was in the Navy stationed at Pearl Harbor. And then we moved to the Philippines. But I was much older when we moved to the Philippines. I was in high school at the time. So you... Your high school, you're talking about with with you know with the band and everything with your friends. That's that was in Mexico. Yes, that was in Mexico. Yeah, and then later on, I um, when I was in college, uh-huh. I did uh, represent my school and against uh, nationwide against all the universities, and I won, and that was um, nice. It, it was great. And at that moment, actually, um, that's when um, I discovered the uh, the real gift. That uh, the 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 finalists uh, on, on that contest, they were like amazing singers, and me being me, I I won and I went to the judge and I say why did I won? Uh-huh. I mean these two people are I mean amazing singers. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 just a mariachi. That's what I said. Uh-huh. Not to put that the mariachis are bad singers or anything like that, but. That was the expression that came out of my mouth. And they uh-huh. said, well, you're right. There are way better singers than you. So why did you win? The reason you won is because in order to become an artist, you have to make people feel what you're singing. Oh. So what you did tonight, it's that your interpretation was so good that you made us feel. And that's the gift that you have. And that's that's why you won. So they might have been technically better than you. But you were able to build a connection with your audience. Yes. And I had no idea about any of that. So that day I discovered that I have something, you know, that to tell stories in a different way uh-huh. with my voice. I realized that, yes, I don't have the best voice or anything like that. Not even remotely close to that. But I had something. That's why I was I was always curious why people like when I sing, uh-huh. and I didn't know until then, and yes, that that's um, that's how I I found out about that gift. How how old were you at this time? I was uh, college. You said right? Yeah, but I started. I was probably eight, eighteen or nineteen years old. And unfortunately, about that time, I was not singing for God at all. It was just for the sake of making music. Yes. It was just for fun. and Well, you were a teenager. A lot of teenagers, it's all, all about yourself. Right. <laughs> That's right. Where did you go to college, if you don't mind me asking? I went to college in Monterey, Mexico, at a uh-huh. university called Universidad del Norte. Okay. Yes. Uh, I study business administration. And then when did you come to the United States? Well, I mean... Did you get married first? No, no. Um, I became a banker. Okay. I was one, working at the banking industry in Mexico. Okay. Uh, and when I was uh, young, um, I I got transferred to Hawaii, to Oahu, and I I worked for Hawaii National Bank, and I had that beautiful experience to live in in Aia, Oahu, for. Um, Something close to a year or something I like totally that. I totally forgot that we have that Hawaii connection. We have yeah. that connection as yeah, well. Yeah, you, you did mention it when I told you one of the first times that I, I grew up in Hawaii, that yeah. you were there. And what yeah. years were you in Hawaii? I, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, 1990. 
Okay. 1989-1990, somewhere around there. And how long were you in Hawaii? I was there just for a year. Okay. Yes. And then after Hawaii? After Hawaii, I went back to Mexico. Okay. Um, Work a little bit more than there. And then I moved to um, to Dallas to work for a, a stock bro- uh, a brokerage firm, financial brokerage firm. Uh-huh. And then after that, I went back to Mexico. And then I moved to San Diego, to La Jolla, California. You've been everywhere, huh? Well, I've been <laughs> some places because of my... My Your work. work. Okay. Yes. And that's when I got married, when I moved to, to La Jolla. Um, Nancy, my wife, she's uh-huh. been my, my high school sweetheart. We've been together for Aww. so long. And uh, by, by then she was probably tired saying, uh-huh, you're not going anywhere else anymore by yourself. <laughs> so we got married uh, in both places. We got married in Monterrey, Mexico. Okay. And then uh, we got married in San Diego. You have a lot of family in San Diego? No, I do not. Uh, I don't, I, we don't have family in San Diego. I was there um, studying and working Okay. for the uh, brokerage firm. From Mexico, they opened a, a branch in in California, in La Jolla. So, how did you make it to Houston from there? I well, from there, I went back to Mexico. Okay, and then we start doing some business here in Houston through that broker firm with um, with a Nations Bank. It was the name Nations Bank here in Houston. Okay, downtown, and. Um, I started developing a lot of relationships here, here in Houston, and I ended up um, acquiring some uh, real estate here in, here in Houston. Okay. Um, earning commissions and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, probably 20, around 20, yeah, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, uh, times were pretty Difficult in, in my hometown. Okay. Um, there was a lot of safety problems, a mm. lot of uh, issues with uh, crime okay. and things like that. So I, I wanted to raise my family in a different environment. Mm-hmm. And um, I start asking uh, where will be a nice place to raise my family. And they told me about Katy, Texas. They told me about Cinco Ranch. So I came here, gave a little tour. I fall in love and I brought my family here. Back then it was just uh, Nancy, Tony, my oldest, and Andy, my second child. So your choices were San Diego, Chicago, Dallas, and Houston, I suppose, the places that you've been a lot to, huh? Yes. But I, when I, when I uh, came here to uh, Katie, I did fall in love with... Um, with the school system, the school district, uh-huh. and and everything, it was just it was it was like a dream for me to build up a family, to raise a family here. I went to public schools all my life. We didn't have music, we didn't have sports, we didn't have <laughs> all those art. programs. Yes, none of those programs. Yes. and and to me that was like a dream uh, to to be able to raise my family in that environment in a place where not just academically. So I'm I'm assuming that Mexico is probably a little similar to the the way they do it in the Philippines that I've seen is it's just mostly academics 
Is that the way it is? In, is. in public public schools, yes. Yeah, they focus a lot Back on then. academics, right? Yes. Yeah. It's all study, study, study. Yes. And not necessarily forming you as a whole person with arts and, and music and all of that. That huh? is correct. Yeah, yes. that's that's I've seen that in the in the Philippines as well. Very, very similar. Of course, it also a Spanish colony. Mexico, the Philippines. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of things in, in, in common. And then uh, after that, my my beautiful princess was born here, Vivian. <laughs> uh, we were blessed with, with with her and our family. And uh, so we made um, Katy, Texas our home. How old were your boys when you moved here? Um, Tony was, uh, he started first grade. So he was probably five or six years old. Six years old. Also, he was pretty much fluent in Spanish already at that yes. age. Does yes. he still carry it with him? Yes. Yeah. Um, at home, it was um, it was funny, but that's the way we did it since day one with the kids. Uh, Mom will talk to them in Spanish. Okay. And me in English, even when we were in Mexico. Oh, really? Yes. So, and up to today, we usually do it like that. So... At the beginning, it was hard for them because they were going to school here. <laughs> they come home. They need to tell all the story to mom in Spanish. Spanish. Then they need to turn around and tell it to me in English. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. They'll do, so you, they had to tell the same story twice. Yes. So uh, did you like pretend that you didn't understand Spanish? No. So they would have to do it? Or I, are you just... No, oh. I, I, I think it was just, um, just it came out automatically just to, for them to be like that. Okay. Yes. I thought it was like, okay. Dad doesn't understand. Say it again, even though you do understand. Oh no, they they they, they know that uh, I speak fluent Spanish. Actually, it's it's my my language. Do you recommend that doing it that way, people? Yeah, it worked with my kids. Mm -hmm. It worked. It, it definitely did worked. So yes, um, they. That's that's how it, it happened. Back so at even home. Vivian, who's the youngest and who was born and raised here, mm -hmm. she's bilingual. Yes. That's awesome. Yes, she speaks uh, Spanish fluently, and she's that's all she speaks with uh, talks with her mom. Okay, it's all in Spanish. Now you said that you weren't really singing for God before, right? When did that start happening? Um, I, um, as I told you, uh, uh, we used to go to uh, Epiphany. Yes, that was our church, uh -huh. and uh, actually, uh, that's the first time I saw you. You were the only uh, male vocalist. <laughs> yeah, I was suffering there. I got a bone to pick with you about that. I was there and I was one of the few. There were a couple of guys that would come and go for a week or two whenever they were available. But you were in the congregation. Every and, single time. <laughs> and you were watching me suffer, weren't you? Yes. And uh, <laughs> I remember my wife always um, asking me, why don't you join the choir? Because I'm, I was always singing at the pews, yeah. always. I love to sing, so uh -huh. I was always singing. And I said, "Okay." And do you you remember every year they'll you know they'll do the announcements and yes, say, yes. "Okay, come on and join the choir, register." I did register every day. I mean, every year. I'm sorry, but I never joined. You never showed up. I never showed up. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> But with uh, St. Faustina... Did you say this Rudy guy, he's not... <laughs> he's a shady character. I don't want to sing beside him. Or I was waiting for you to sing the song. But it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I told Father Jack at Epiphany, I said, 
when the Texans make it to the Super Bowl <laughs> that Sunday afternoon, I'll sing the psalm. No, well, no, it wasn't Father Jack. It was it was JM. I told JM that. Well, Texans never made it to the Super Bowl, right? Because if anybody knows anything about Texas and and football, during the Super Bowl, the the what time was the mass? Four thirty. The four thirty mass was almost empty, right? During the Super Bowl, <laughs> right? You watch me suffer. I I I really have a bone to pick with you about that one. <sighs> So for some uh, reason, um, not knowing, I felt the call when uh-huh. Father Dad was, um, um, you know, making the announcement about the new this new parish. Uh-huh. Uh, we have never been um, part of a startup church, and when he mentioned, um, "What can you do for us?" and I said, "I think I can sing." Uh-huh. And um, never, never sing in English in the past. So I said, okay. So in a way, I think I felt the call. And um, before I knew, I was at Sally's house, Sally and Pete. Uh-huh. That's where we used to do the rehearsals. Oh, yeah. And um, and then I became part of this beautiful community, beautiful family, the our, our choir family. So you had never sang in English. Never. It was always Spanish. Yes. Wow, that's amazing! Yes, and um, and it, it was it was it was very it was a great experience. Start doing it every Sunday, and and the the way it started developing, uh-huh. and it was beautiful. And then I clearly, I vividly remember one Sunday, um, they Dottie asked me to do a solo on um, "Laura, I Need You." Yes. And I said, okay. So I did it. And um, when mass was over, this um, young lady who was crying came up to me and she said, thank you. Mm. Thank you. You just don't know what you just did for me. Oh. And I was thinking, you're right. I have no idea what did I just did for you. Uh-huh. Of course, I didn't say it. That was uh-huh. in my mind. Thinking. Uh-huh. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Then later I start making that connection of, oh, maybe I was in, you know, doing, using that gift that I was told before Mm -hmm. with this, with the, with the word of God. Uh And that's when I start falling in love with this, like deeply, like, okay, so. I can use my gift here. I can actually do do it and use it for the one who gave it to me. That's the, that's exactly the moment it did a click. Because the the past it was different. I use it for a different purposes. <laughs> but you grew up Catholic. Oh yes, very Catholic actually. Uh-huh. Yeah, we um my mom still lives there. Uh we our house was a block away from the parish. Wow. Yeah. And it was funny the way I grew up uh, being a very strong Catholic because uh-huh. uh, my mom was, um, um, you know, very Catholic, always in prayer, going to church. Uh-huh. My father didn't want to go to church. But really? Yes. But he said, every Sunday, I'm not going to give you your allowance until you come back from church and you <laughs> tell me the gospel. Wow. And the readings. But he didn't go himself. He didn't go. Wow. Yeah. That's weird. It is. So I was probably, I don't know, 
what can I say, four, five, six years old, and I was paying attention like closely. <laughs> Taking notes and everything. <laughs> I want my, my allowance, right? But it was beautiful because it did um, it did develop this, you know, um, this uh, this desire to 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 learn more, mm-hmm. and um, I became to know the, the 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 ceremony, the mass, like very well, and I I enjoyed it a lot since I was very little. Why do you think your dad didn't go? I don't know. Do you he, think he felt guilty about something, perhaps no, not worthy? I don't know. I think he his family was not. Uh, he they were Catholic, but uh-huh. they never, you know, uh, practice it. Probably he was never told, or he was never talked, or anything like that. But he knew it was something that we needed. Okay, so he he encouraged it, and not in that way. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's 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 very unusual. Very unusual, and the, but the formula did work. It, it definitely did. Did with, you do that with your kids? Withhold their allowance until they could tell you what the the homework was. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but uh, I took them to mass every Sunday, uh-huh. and sometimes even if they didn't want to, it was just you know we have to do this, and and that's the parts that that now we need to learn that that we need to have different communication. Now I've been uh, you know talked by them. Now I'm getting the the feedback. Uh-huh. Now they're in their twenties. Now they're telling me, you know what. When, you know, when I was growing up, sometimes I felt forced. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. But we, you know, we were feeding the seed. We were just planting yeah, the seed. Yeah. And um, sometimes you do have to make your kids. Because if you let your kids do whatever they want, there's no way they're going <laughs> to exactly. walk into a church. And, and as you know, as a parent, I mean, you only, you know, you only do what you can do with your own tools. I yep. mean, they don't, they don't come with instructions. Yeah. And, and you just do what well, the best you can mm-hmm. and but i realized definitely this is for sure that being close to god mm-hmm. it makes everything way better not easier but uh-huh. better way better and you know all kids are different one approach might work with one child and and just be disastrous with another one absolutely true yes so going back to the choir Yes. The thing I I remember distinctly about the choir and one of the first practices that we had yes. was how much talent was in the room when we first started out. Yes. At Epiphany, I was struggling. I was the only guy there at that one particular mass some Sundays. Now I'm looking at a whole f- room filled with several basses, several tenors, and you were one of those. You were one of those guys. What what were you feeling at that point when it all started? Oh, it was it was a it was a great experience, and it was at the same time a little. I like I love challenges. I mean, uh-huh. I do. I mean, being in a room with all these talented people uh, singing in their own language, I didn't even know what uh you know the different voices and I didn't even know I don't read music and they, sh- they put the sheet music yeah, in they front put of the you sheet music in, me, in front of me and I'm like okay this is great I, I had no idea but it was it you was, weren't the only one <laughs> but it was great it, it was it was beautiful the way everything started to blend yes um, and in and, and a very uh, celestial way it, it was just beautiful it, it was it was beautiful and then we started, oh, those first few, first few weeks, 
we were doing what three masses, two or three masses a a weekend. Yes, because we were the only choir. There was only one choir at the time. Right, and then the Spanish choir came along. Yes, you weren't going to join them too. No, um, you know, um, I was. I was invited once. I never was invited to join them. Uh-huh. And uh, I was already too attached to the uh, adult English choir. Uh-huh. It was my family. And I was like very attached to you all guys. I, I was like, I, I'm not going anywhere. You found a groove already. Oh, yes. I found a community, a family, uh-huh. a group that I really enjoyed. And, um, but... Um, the first time I got invited to do something with the Spanish choir uh-huh. was that they were going to celebrate uh, the Serenata for La Virgen de Guadalupe. Okay. Yeah, for the the, the Virgin of Guadalupe, they were going to do a, a Serenata. So uh, they called me and they say they, they want me to go and sing one song with them. Uh-huh. And um, I went to practice. And yes, there was a lot of talented people and... And all of the above. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did it. I went to the Serenata. It was an amazing experience. Beautiful. And and that was that was it. Obviously, they asked me, why don't you join us, right? Uh-huh. And I said, what I just said to you, that of course I, I would love to, but I already found my, my family. I'm very attached to them. And... I, I I like them. I I would love to serve with them, uh-huh. uh, you know, as much as possible. But I belong to the to the adult English choir. Now, there's a song that you sing Holy Week yes. almost every year. Yes, and it's an amazingly moving song. I I looked up the translation of the lyrics, but I don't think a lot of people looked up. And what's the title of this song that you sing at mass? Si hubiera estado allí. And what does that mean? If I were there. And what what are the lyrics of the song? What does it mean? The the lyrics of the song talks about if talking about the passion of Christ. Okay. Like when he's when he's in the cross and he's when he's getting um being um um nailed to the cross mm-hmm. and all this suffering that he's going through. And the song talks about you being there. Okay. And about you being one of the one of the guys who did that to him. Wow. Yes, because of your sins. So one of those who was whipping him. It was one of those. It was who, me that I'm singing, or you that you're listening to. And if I'm not mistaken, one of the lines is something like, "I would have been one of that that spat on you." Yes. Wow. Even to, uh, I mean, all the way up to that. Yeah, because because the way we sin, because the way we don't recognize what he did to for us. Because I mean, when you sang that the first time, I was looking into the congregation. There were tears flowing, and I said, "I got to take a look at the lyrics of this song. What does it mean?" Being honest to you, the uh, it's very difficult to sing that song because, I it's it's hard to hold uh, that I'm, I I wanted to I want to cry. Yeah, you get choked up. Yes, and it's it's very. It's very emotional. Uh-huh. Um, I get again. I, I guess so. In, I I do get so into the songs. I'm mm-hmm. I'm leaving the songs every time I sing, and this one it's very difficult because what it says. It, it, of course, it, I feel bad. It hurts yeah. me that, that what what I do when I sin. 
and in, and then you put that into song. Yeah. It's it's in your native language. Yes. And all of that just comes out when you're singing it. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So it's, right now, just by talking to you, I start sweating. It's I emotionally mean, it, it, yes. great. I'm tearing up right now thinking about the lyrics of the yeah, of, of the song. It's amazing. It, 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 it's an amazing song. Um, and uh, if you look at it on the, on the web, they even showing it with a video clip of the movie Passion of the Passion of Christ. Yes, that's the one that I saw. And it's just, I mean, it, it's very powerful. And what's the title again? Si hubiera estado allí. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing that because I, every year you sing it and I think people have to look at the lyrics of this if they don't understand Spanish because it's it's amazing. Yes, it is. Amazing that the 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 lyrics of this this song now you your wife and your kids you got uh, two boys and and a daughter do all three of them serve at mass do all three of them sing are they all did they all take after their dad in terms of musical ability well you know uh i um one day i was able i was um i had the the blessing from god and um one day i bought a piano and uh -huh. i just put it in a room and I made a music room at home and I said, you all going to learn how to play piano and you all going to sing here with us. And by then, two of them were already at um, a little musical because they were on band okay. the, in, in school. Okay. And which two are these? Tony was playing the saxophone, the alto saxophone. Okay. And uh, Andy, he was playing the bass clarinet. Okay. Yes. And uh, Vivian, she's been in choir since, I don't know, for years since she was very little. Uh -huh. And she was always sitting with me and the uh, piano with the guitar. And she was, she's always very, uh, you can see in her eyes and she was a little baby when music was playing or, sing, or, or, or singing by us. She was like paying a lot of attention. You can see <laughs> her emotions. Especially with uh, the older brothers. Right. So the three of them are, are musical. But only two of them serve in church. Okay. Yes. Uh, Andy lives in um, California. Uh -huh. He's a student um, at um, um, Stanford University. Uh -huh. He's taking his master's there. And um, hopefully he'll start his PhD this uh, coming um, wow. fall. He seems like the more quiet type of the three. Yes. He's very quiet. He's um, a little more reserved. He's very reserved. Shy, I guess. Is yes. that why he doesn't serve? Because he's a little more shy? Yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, he will come to to mass when he's here because he's been, uh -huh. I mean, he he attend UT for his um, uh, college. So he's been away for years. So, so whenever he comes, he comes to mass. Uh -huh. And But yeah, he's very quiet. So his music ability is just for... For himself, <laughs> yes. He plays ukulele, he plays the clarinet, he plays a little bit of piano. And and um we and, and we made him sing when he's in Mexico. He needs to, he has to sing with the mariachi. Oh really? So we liked it. So he yeah. was with the uh, with the mariachis as well. Yes. Was was Tony your your eldest also? Yes. I mean they all I mean we, it's a tradition for us. We love the music. Mm -hmm. So every time we go there we we take the opportunity to bring serenata to Nancy or to my daughter, and uh -huh. uh, we sing with the mariachi. Is that how you wooed your wife? 
Oh, yes. That's how I convince her. <laughs> For everybody who asked me, well, how did he convince her? It, it was through my music. <laughs> Definitely. Now, you and I have the opposite experience. I tried to sing to my wife. And before, I would sing to my wife and girls would be like, oh, you sing. So I would sing to girls and they'd be like, oh, he sings really well. Sang to my wife and she's like, uh, yeah, that song's not right for you. Uh, you're a little out of tune there. You're a little flat. <laughs> your wife is very talented. And, and, the, and the combination uh, of you and your wife, your son, is just an amazing young singer. Oh, yes. I, I was just trying to think about uh, when you were talking about, you know, teaching your kids to sing. My son was completely different. We tried to, we tried to push him with instruments he did it in his own time so you put a piano in your room and your kids just got yeah got they, it right yeah, yeah they got it they started playing and um i remember uh with uh, tony obviously the oldest very talented uh uh very musical uh-huh um uh, he's i mean fantastic musician he's a, at he's the, a, he has a musical brain and and he he always thinks like that to fit in the spot and He's, he's very he's very gifted and I remember uh, when he was a teenager you know he was doing he was he used to come down and, and and at home and say dad listen to this and he starts singing and I'm like yeah it sounds good and he's like it only sounds good and I'm like <laughs> well yeah it's because you sound like this and this person uh-huh and oh no I mean you can you can sound better than that find your own find your own voice sound like you. And then he will go back so disappointed. <laughs> but now he understands what I was talking about. I mean, now, I mean, he, and, and, and the most beautiful part is how and for who he uses his gift. Yes. He uses it only for God. And that is, is it's just a blessing for his mom and for myself. It's just beautiful. And he, I mean, he is really good. I have to say, like, like how I say my son is much better than I am. Like, I would say he's he's oh, by far. No, I'm not even I'm just. Not, about, I'm, not, like, I'm not even on the field. I mean, he's like <laughs> he, he's he's really good. Uh, again, it's a blessing, and and it's a blessing that he understands that it's a gift from God. Mm -hmm. He's very humble in that in that in that sense, and uh, and then he gives it everything back to him. When did you realize that he was better than you? Since uh, since those moments when he was uh, uh, coming downstairs and start telling me, "Oh, listen to this," and it was uh -huh. different. It, it, you can you can tell immediately that it was different. It was like a recording voice, uh -huh. and it was uh, it was so so full. Every note it was completely full. Co co I don't know how to explain it. As I said, I don't know too much about music, <laughs> but I could tell the difference in my ear. Uh, that's the only thing I have. Uh, I have a musical ear, and 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 I can I could tell like this is it. I mean, mm -hmm. this is this is my dream. It's gonna be way better than me. This is it. This is great because again, he he can he he has the ability to interpret the the, the song, uh -huh. but he completes that with an amazing voice and all these ranges that he uses. And oh, yeah, and it's it's beautiful. It, it is, it is um, mostly the same case with Vivian. Viviana can, um, she, again, she's been in choirs for years. Mm -hmm. And she has this amazing ability to do, to harmonize mostly anything. 
And um, because obviously their brothers, their siblings, and uh, same genes and all. So that's why uh, the sound that comes from them, uh-huh. it's, it's unique. Yes, and and you know, I guess it's because they're related. Mm-hmm. The, this, the the voices just blend really well together. Yes. Now, I notice you're wearing your axe shirt. Oh yes, the same Faustina axe shirt, and you also have your Fishers of Men bracelet right here. There you go. What year did we do axe together? We did it in 2017. 2017. That was the first axe retreat here at Saint Faustina. Correct. Did you jump at the opportunity when you heard about it or did somebody pressure you? Somebody pressured me. <laughs> Who was it? It was Jose. Jose. Sosa. He pressured me uh, all the way probably to the boss. <laughs> I mean, I'm t- only uh, up to the end. I was going through a very, very bad economic situation in my life. Uh-huh. Terrible, terribly financial hardship. Uh, I was so desperate. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the last thing in my mind, according to my old way of thinking, uh-huh. was going into a, to a retreat. I needed, I needed to solve my problem myself. Your financial right? problems, yes, yes, my financial problem myself. So I'm like, what am I gonna go to that retreat? How am I gonna abandon this situation for four days? That is impossible. I'm not doing it. So he, you've got more important things more to important worry about. More important things to right? worry about, exactly. <laughs> so he pushed me hard as again all the way to the boss. I am riding the boss to the to the retreat, and I'm thinking to myself, "What am I doing here?" So I'm already <laughs> I'm already in denial. I'm already in a bad um, you know attitude, saying. I don't understand why I was so nice to this guy, and I say yes. I have better things to do. I shouldn't come here. I shouldn't be in this bus. And I was just the whole way there. I will never forget that because I was, I was very, very mad of myself. For really? That. Yeah. For, for getting on the bus and going to a retreat. Yes. You felt like you were leaving your financial responsibility, your family behind. Correct. Wow. You felt like you were not being a good father. Uh, good anything. I was like, this is wrong. This is a mistake. I shouldn't done this. And, um, at the minute I walk down from that bus, uh-huh. I start listening, I start hearing my name everywhere. I'm like, I don't know these people, but they knew me. Uh-huh. They're like, hey, Antonio, Antonio, Antonio. I'm like, oh, hey, hi. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but hi. They saw you singing at mass. Yes. And uh, hi, hi. And and how wrong I was, how wrong I was, because this this is a life changer. Mm-hmm. It was a life changer to me. I, I this this retreat prepared me for what I was for whatever was coming into my life. This huge train was coming full force against my life. I didn't even know. And I wasn't prepared. And you already thought that the financial hardship you were going through was the train. I thought was that was the train and I was all wrong. And there was something else coming. That was just a little tiny thing coming to me. If you if you don't mind sharing the background of the financial hardship that you had to go through, was it tied in with the industry here in Houston? Yes, yes. Um, as I mentioned before, I st- when I first moved here, I had some real estate. I have some... Um, 
industrial warehouses okay. near the airport. And I also um, opened a uh, consultant firm for uh, oil and gas uh, companies from Mexico. Okay. Uh, because of my financial background, I was able to locate financing to buy equipment to drill. Most of this equipment and most of this business was going for my Mexican clients to serve Pemex in Mexico. Okay. What's Pemex? Pemex is the biggest oil company okay. in, in my country. Okay. Yeah. And um, things went wrong, bad decisions, um, bad calls, bad, very bad investments on my side. Uh -huh. I was I was always a consultant, and then one day I I tried to pretend to be an investor as well. Okay, take some risks, and uh, and the market came down and hit me dramatically, wow. and um, it took everything from me. Every, really, all my wealth, yeah, everything, everything, everything. Wow. Yeah, my business, my house, that piano that I told you, everything. Wow. Every, yeah, from from one day to the next. Uh, well, it was obviously um, uh, step by step, but uh, yeah, I lost everything. I lost absolutely everything. So you had to declare bankruptcy. Yes, I did. And in the middle of all this, in the middle of all this, here I, comes Jose. He comes Jose, and he said, "I need you to sing at this retreat." I'm like, I don't have the money to go to that <laughs> retreat. I don't have the time, and it's the, not high on your list of priorities at no. that moment. The, the the good the only I was thinking that the only good thing I was doing I I, kept, I did kept on singing every Sunday uh -huh. I I kept on uh, serving even though I was going through all this um, it was like the only thing was feeding my my soul because I was I was lost I, I was so desperate uh, uh -huh. trying to I used to I remember I used to wake up every morning saying I'm gonna solve my problem today but me I'm gonna do it yeah. I, and, Without and, any help from anyone else, and and yeah, I prayed and I I go to church, I serve, and all of that. But here I am thinking I am going to fix my problem myself, and um, so yeah, everything went um, really, really bad. Everything, all of this is happening when I have two kids in college. So you went bankrupt while your kids were in college. Yes. And another one on the way. Yes. Wow. Yes. And then uh, I lose everything, cars, houses, all my wealth. Everything went well. Everything went uh, south. Everything completely. And then you went into the retreat. I went into the retreat. Uh, again, I felt good at the moment I stepped down from that boss. I felt uh, the warmth of all, all the community of St. Faustina immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, not because they were saying my name, the way they were saying it. They were already feeling some connection with me that I didn't even know exist. And, and that immediately made me feel like someone was hugging me. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I felt good. I felt like, okay, this is... This is a good, this is a good start. And then um, the retreat just, it was, as, as I said, it was a life changer, a life, a completely life changer. And uh, I didn't know it was preparing me for um, for something way bigger than 
my my financial hardship that um seriously it was nothing compared with what happened to me the retreat it's a it's an amazing experience i highly recommend it for i mean you know you were there yeah oh it, yeah. it was just fantastic <laughs> um um the the community the 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 bond that that it that, that you develop there with your fellowship parishioners it doesn't get any better than that i have to be honest that i have never called anybody brother in my life yeah. they're not my blood brothers i'm going to go even i'm going to go further than that i i i i i confess that i that i even felt like i didn't like it when someone will call me brother if they were not my brothers uh-huh i i, I never I, until i found the basis the why in, in the axe retreat and i found it at the axe retreat one thing i i really loved about the axe retreat is that you are there with other men and you realize wow i'm not the only one going through all of this stuff i'm not the only one that feels this way and you're there and it's not like okay we're all perfect people no it's not that's right yeah you're, you're going through something similar and you don't feel alone that is correct that connection is just amazing uh, it puts everything everything in perspective everything and uh the the talks the adoration uh the uh, the conversations with some of the uh, fellow including you i remember having conversations with you very oh, yeah. very early in the morning <laughs> <laughs> and uh with Deacon Randy who I love to death I oh, mean amazing. he's a, he's an amazing uh, amazing person I remember uh, he said uh one well, I think at the end he said I am your deacon to every single one of us mm -hmm. and he has been my, my my deacon and I always call him my favorite deacon in the whole world <laughs> and, and we all laugh about that and um so I all of a sudden I've I I am part of this beautiful strong community. Uh-huh. Yes, I'm I'm a I'm a member of St. Faustina mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful community. My family, my choir family, it's is my family, it's beautiful. But in all of a sudden I have this very strong bond with my man fellowships fellow fellow parishioners from saint faustina because these are faces that you see at church all the time but you don't know them i didn't know them <laughs> they knew me i mean they knew my face and they they knew that i sang and they made me feel uh, going back to that gift that i was that i was part of something that i gave to them and i didn't know all this circle all this connection i i didn't have any idea the way it worked mm -hmm. and So it was beautiful. And um, now I was feeling the need to call them brothers because I see them like that. Uh -huh. So it, it, it was it was an amazing experience and it, it was a, definitely a life changer for me. Were you like me? You were, because uh, I was a little weirded out with the guys hugging each other. But then after the retreat, that was it. Was no, that for you? No, I mean, uh, I, no, we're we're Latin people. We're like, ah, okay, so. we're huggers and kissers, <laughs> and no, we're very affectionate. 
Yeah, actually, it's, it's been pretty hard with the with the pandemic. It's, I know. It, it, it's been pretty tough. But um, maybe it's my Asian side that's a little standoffish when it comes to that. But then after the retreat, yeah, yeah, after the retreat was just it, 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 again. I came back home feeling completely different. Uh-huh. Um, I remember uh, at the end of the retreat saying something that I felt like I was looking at everybody with a new set of eyes. And I didn't say it in in the sense of, oh, uh, I feel like I'm a new man. No, I felt like I'm looking things in a different way. Uh-huh. I'm inside of me with with new like window glasses and looking something completely different. Now you got off of that bus and your problems are still the same. Yes. You still have the same financial hardships. Your kids are still in college. You have no idea how you're going to put them through college. What was going through your your mind? Again, I felt like, okay, let's do it. Um, uh, now, focus. Let's try to do whatever you can uh-huh. and let God run your life. Let's do it like that. Uh, the... F- so I, I, I continuing doing things that were developing very slowly, uh-huh. but it, it allowed me to survive, if, if, if you can put it that way. I went through a lot of legal battles and a lot of things in order to pay my, all, all the people that I owe the money and, and things like that. And during that year, again, it was, it was very painful. But I had a different connection with God uh-huh. and with my church. It was different. And I was, it, it was like I was feeling stronger inside of me. Okay. But the problems were getting bigger and bigger and bigger up to um, a moment that I didn't even know what I was going to do. What, how different would it have been if you had not gone to the retreat? I don't even want to think about it because I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, I I have no idea how would I will uh, react it to what was coming to me if I didn't if I didn't go to their retreat and were prepared um, in my spirit mm-hmm. to to affront to this uh, problem that was coming to me um, in uh, 2018. I was uh, on a business trip. Uh, uh, let, let me back up a little bit. I've been very healthy all my life. Yes. Um, hardly got any colds or flus or anything. I've been very blessed with a good health. Yes. Never had any surgery. N- absolutely nothing. No broken bones, no nothing. And I play football and I play basketball and I play a lot of things and nothing happened to me. Thank God. 2018... Um, I was on a business trip in uh, Louisiana and I started feeling um, different, weird, um, like I couldn't breathe. To make a long story short, I, I got a heart attack um, and I ended up in a hospital. And um, all I was thinking is I want whoever doctor co- to come here, give me a shot 
uh-huh. so I can go back to my hotel, take a shower and go back and take care of business. Get back to work. Get back to work because I was doing something that it was going to get me through the next three months of all the payments. Okay. And that shipment, it was so important to me that I was so wrong that it, at that moment it was more important that that in all honesty to my own life, I wasn't even paying t- attention to the other side. Uh-huh. So it, it, didn't, it didn't happen exactly like that, but it, it did. I mean, he, the doctor came, they gave me some shots and then he said, there's something very wrong with you. Mm-hmm. We need to run some tests okay. on your heart. And you've not had any heart issues before no. that? No. Okay. Um, and I, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm in this little, little tiny town in Louisiana near the coast. And you're not even near home. So. No. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not staying here. I'm not, forget it. Uh-huh. Thank you, though. Can you just do something for me so I can leave the hospital? And get back to work. And get back to work. He's like, I am going to do it. You're going to sign a release, but trust, please promise me, do something for yourself. I, at the moment you get back to Houston, go to the doctor. Uh-huh. And I did. So I went, did what I just told you, finished my deal. Wow. Came home. Okay. And when I come home, I noticed, I took a shower. I noticed this huge, huge bruise in my stomach, like. Big, big, big bruise. bruise. Yes, because he shot me straight in my stomach. Uh-huh. And then, um, and, I, and I said, okay, I don't have a way out, but telling my wife what happened because I didn't tell her anything. <laughs> so she had no idea that the doctor told you, you need to get looked at no. right away. I was so wrong. I was, I was so, again, I was just wow. thinking I can solve all of this by myself. Uh-huh. See, that's the problem with stubbornness that uh, you fight with that stubbornness most of your life, thinking that you're God, thinking that you can take his position. Uh huh. How wrong I was. Wow. So I come back. Yeah. Of course, I tell my wife. Of course, she's like, what, what are you doing? So we go to the doctor. The doctor says, we, we're going we're gonna to run some tests uh, to you. Of uh-huh. course, I don't have insurance. Yeah, because you're still going through financial hardship. You're bankrupt and everything. I mean, again, the deal that I had made, it was just to survive the following three months. Okay. And um, so no insurance. The the doctor said, we have to run this test. There is definitely something strange. I, I cannot tell you exactly what it is. They run some tests. During this time, I come to St. Faustina, and I told Father that if he can... Um, anoint me uh-huh. because I felt like something was, um, something was wrong and, uh, he, he did. And, uh, I felt protected uh, at that moment. I felt protected immediately. Uh-huh. So things start getting really bad in, in my system. I mean, the, forget about the results of the test or whatever. I start, I start like, um, going down dramatically. So your body, you started feeling it deteriorate somehow. Dramatically fast. Okay. Like fast. Like I, I, I have problems walking. I have problems talking. And it was, it was getting like really bad, really scary. And where were you at this point? At home. Okay. Yeah. Um, at the other place that we, we ran because we didn't have a house. Okay. So, 
I I was going through all of this, and then um, the the doctor called me, and he said, "You have a very serious, uh, very very serious situation. You um you have what is called a aneurysm in uh-huh. your aorta." Uh-huh. He says, um, "Normal, we all have aneurysms. Um, normal people will have uh, an aneurysm of two centimeters. Okay, and um, when it goes." Uh, when it grows to five centimeters, uh-huh. you are a candidate for surgery. Okay. Yours are seven centimeters. We have no idea how you are walking. I mean, you you basically a dead person. So you're supposed to be dead at this they, they point. They only seen that on, on, on corpse. And then uh, that, I said, okay. And I told him, I don't have insurance. Uh-huh. This is... um. You know, uh, this is a big uh, operation, and it can be conducted only by certain specialists because it's open heart. They need to remove you or uh, uh, reconstruct it, put in a um, a mechanical valve in it. Okay. And anyway, it's something like really, really big. And of course, if you don't have insurance, that's a no-no. Yeah, huh. that's yeah. That's... How would you do something like that, right? So um, <clears throat> I called some friends, some doctors, and then they told me how to maneuver this, and okay. I, and I, and I did it. And my my health was deteriorating, like almost to the end. I I clearly remember one day I, I'm a, I'm at the living room in my house. And uh, of course, all my kids are there already. Uh-huh. I already called everybody. I called Tony, I called uh-huh. Andy, because both of them, one was in College Station, the other one was in um, Austin. I told him, you need to come home. Uh, there's something wrong with me. Um, I'm gonna get um, you know, an operation. So you guys come home. So everybody's there. And I'm at the living room. I can barely talk or walk. And I felt, this is the very first time I, f- I felt that I was going to die right at that moment. I, I, I felt like a little tiny oxygen inside of me. We were getting ready to go to the hospital. Okay, so this was after the doctor called you up. Correct. The doctor called me the, the night before. Okay. And this is, in the, this is the next day. Okay. And I'm sitting in the living room and I, I asked God, I said, Please just help me get to the hospital. I don't want to die. I knew I was going to die, uh-huh. but I don't want to die here in the living room in front of my kids. I don't want the. I don't want to make this more dramatic than is that already is. Okay. Please just allow me that. Let me get to the hospital. That's all I want. And he did it. He allowed me to move and go to the hospital. So we walk into emergency room at Memorial Hermann in uh, downtown, uh, uh, not downtown, uh, the uh, medical center. Okay. Well, my symptoms, obviously, they admitted me like in one second. I, I was I was a dead person. Um, then all of a sudden, this surgeon comes, this, um, oh, I forgot one part, uh, the CD, of what the results of the of the uh, test that they run uh-huh. to find out about the size of the aneurysm. 
Nancy uh, very uh, wisely took them to that specialist that morning. Okay. Took the CD. By doing that, I'm already legally, officially his patient, even if he doesn't know me, just by admitting that CD. Okay. It was part of the uh, the advices that my, my <laughs> friends told me. So now I'm an emergency with all the symptoms. Obviously, uh -huh. who's your doctor? I said the name of this doctor. They called him and uh -huh. he shows up. And this guy has a number one team in the nation for this specific type of operations. Okay. And it's funny, he walks in and he's like, oh, this is the guy with the extra large aneurysm. Yes. He said it like that. <laughs> I think it was funny. And then um, he's like, okay, well, uh, did you already run the stairs? He's talking to the emergency doctor yes. and he's saying, yes, check, 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 check. So the guy said, don't worry, you're in good hands. We're going to give you a room. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to uh, perform surgery on you in two days. Okay. Uh, everything is going to be okay. Don't worry about it. I do this every day. Uh -huh. um, in two weeks, you'll be out of here. No problem. It's, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Okay. I can clearly hear my family going, <sighs> my poor kids were next to me uh -huh. and my wife, and they were like all worried, like not knowing what's gonna, what was going to happen. And then they're listening to this doctor saying all these great things. Uh -huh. I mean, great things, you know, according to this situation they were living. Yes. And, um, and then he said, where is the result of his scan? And the doctor said, we haven't done that. And he looked at me, he's like, don't worry, they're gonna run a scan on you. Okay. And then I'll see you in your room in two hours and we'll go over your surgery because surgery, and I'm like, what surgery? I don't even know what they were gonna do to me. I didn't know anything. Cause they were talking their doctor speak. And you were just there not understanding what they Me, were saying. I only knew I had a something in my aorta and mm -hmm. that it caused me a heart attack. Okay. That's all I knew. Something that needs to be removed. Okay. Okay. That's all I knew. So they take, my family goes to a waiting room. They take me to run that test, that scan. Yes. And I... It's one of those uh, machines that they, you go in and there's a person in the cabin. Yes. And then he starts talking to you and all this and that. I don't know what he saw that this guy ran out of the cabin. He ran? Ran out of the cabin. I started listening to a lot of people talking and moving. And I'm like, this is, this is not good, definitely. I mean... The, do the words of the doctor make me feel good for a moment, uh -huh. but physically I was feeling that I'm on, I was on extra time. Okay. So you were lying there yeah. in the machine yeah. and the guy running the machine stands up and runs out of the room. Yes. And starts talking to people right away. Yes. Did you hear that they were frantic in their voices? Yes. And then they come, put me out of the, of the tube. Okay. Put me on, 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 a, on a bed and they start running to the, to the surgery room. I didn't, I didn't know I was going to the surgery. So like right? in the movies, you're running down the hall. They're running down the hall, take me to this place. And then before I know this, they're shaving my chest. 
And I'm like, what's going on? So the same doctor shows up and he said, you have 17 dissections on your aorta. You can die here in front of me. 17. 17. Um, we need to operate you like right now. That's what's going to happen. Unfortunately, everything that I told you downstairs is not going to work like that. Uh, now the chances of survival are, have changed. Wow. We don't know. Uh, we actually don't know how you were able to walk into this hospital. Because you didn't come via ambulance. You just hopped into your car and your family drove you there. Yes. And um, we don't know if you're going to survive, but if you do, you're going to have to, um, you're going to need therapy when you wake up. You're probably going to wake up in a couple of weeks and you're going to wake up and you're going to need therapy to walk again and wow. to talk. Wow. Because we're going to have to disconnect everything and put you on a, on a bypass. Um, this is, this is very serious. And, I want to, and, and at this moment, when he was saying this, I looked away and I started saying, God, where are you? Where are you? And he immediately responded to me. How? This is the funny part. Also, my communication with God until that moment has been in Spanish. Uh-huh. I always pray in Spanish. Uh-huh. I always talk to him in Spanish. And at this moment, he replies in English and he says, everything is going to be okay. And then I'm, I'm quiet and he's like, everything is going to be okay. You heard this? Yes. I, don't, I'm, I'm, I didn't see him. Uh -huh. I heard this. Of course, my human side kicks in and he's tell, my brain is telling me, you're imagining this. You're hallucinating. You're imagining. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is your system saying, hey, everything's going to be okay. And then the voice says, you're going to keep on singing for me down here. Wow. And then at that specific moment, I knew it was me. So I looked up. Now I look back to the doctor. The doctor was, he, he was, he was still talking. Still talking. <laughs> Same probably more, you know, bad news. And then I said, everything is going to be okay. And the doctor stopped and, and he's smiling and he looked at his team and he said, see, this is the attitude. He has the right attitude, but I can tell in his face that he didn't, he probably, th he probably is thinking he didn't even, he doesn't know what he's he saying. He has no idea. Right? Yeah. He has no idea what he's going, <laughs> he's going to go through. Uh -huh. And then he said, well, that's great. I need to bring your wife to, to talk to you. And I said, no, please don't tell her anything. Don't, don't tell, leave them with the good news that you told them downstairs. Wow. Let's see. I, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you. So this was such a, a rush thing. It was such an alarming thing that they saw in your scan that they ran you in there and they just started working on you without even telling your family yet. Correct. Wow. Um, the uh, anesthesiologist came and he said, are you sure you don't want to talk to your wife? And I said, I am sure. And I told him, I blink and I said, I'm going to see you soon. Uh -huh. I was so, so convinced 
I didn't, I don't, I didn't, this is not a macho thing or anything like that. I wasn't afraid at all. That, that, that moment of panic uh-huh. that it was for a few seconds, because remember, I was, I was in my mind, I was already dead since the living room at my home. Uh-huh. I was already dead. That morning. I was dead. When God told me everything is going to be okay, you're going to keep on singing for me down here. Uh-huh. I was like, I took that, com- you know, I was convinced. It, it, you know, I didn't need anything else. I said, let's go. Let's do it. So I was on surgery for 10, 10 hours. Okay. My family was told that I was going to be in surgery for two, three hours. Because they only knew the good news. Yeah. So they're like, what's going on in the waiting room? Like, yeah, why, why is it taking so long? Yeah. See, why is it taking so long? Of course, my my wife, um, there was no time to call anybody. All my family lives in Mexico. Mm-hmm. They call, I have two brothers who live here. Uh-huh. One lives in Houston. The other one lives in uh, Rockport. And they, she called them. And they... Of course, they called my family in Mexico. So everybody's flying here or driving here. Uh-huh. But no one is there with my wife. Guess who's there with my wife? Cool. Some of my brothers from Axe with their wives. Sitting with my family, praying with my family. This is in the middle of the night. I went into surgery at five in the afternoon. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, people start showing at the waiting room. And my wife is like, what are you doing here? And we just came here to pray. Uh-huh. They're praying there with, with my kids and with her. They're like extremely worried. What happened? Yeah. Somewhere around three in the morning, doctor comes out and tell my wife everything. You know? Because at this point she had no idea what no was idea. going on. No, no. She tells, he tells her everything. He said, uh, somehow everything worked out. Wow. Uh, he had a big mess inside. Uh, we reconstruct his aorta. He has now a mechanical valve. I did, uh, I did fix two other um, arteries. They, that's why he couldn't walk because there were two uh, flat arteries down on downside. And, um, but now they're, they're closing him and now let's see what happens. Let's see if it works. We don't know what's going to happen. Wow. But I feel, he said, but, but I feel, I feel, he said positive or I feel, I feel confident. Something like that. He said, Mm -hmm. and my wife just grabbed that single word and said, okay, we're positive. We're confident. Uh Uh-huh. Um, everybody's praying the rosary. Oh, I mean, back to back, back to back, praying the rosary at uh-huh. the, the waiting room. They take me to ICU at um, 5.30 in the morning. Of course, I don't know anything, obviously. Uh, and at that moment, there's another problem with me. I need to have a transfusion and apparently... They couldn't find my blood. They put some other blood and it was a problem right there. Oh no, they gave you the wrong blood type? So 
probably another blood type that they thought was going to be compatible okay. or something. Okay. And and it did, but at the beginning it was a problem. And all this horrible scene, like in the movies that uh, doctors and nurses running into the room. Yes. It's in front of Nancy. Oh, no. She saw the whole by thing. By herself, right there, look, <sighs> look, looking at all of this. She tells me a beautiful story that um, she she sat and she was with this indescribable calm uh-huh. because she felt that the Virgin Mary was on one side uh-huh. and another saying that there's called a Conchita is una there's a, a beata in Mexico. Okay. She was on the other side of okay. her. And um she was praying rosary back to back, back to back, uh-huh. back to back. And she felt their presence. Yeah. So I reacted. I I I, I got st- stabilized and um everything was fine. Uh later uh they so they said they said that I was going to um they didn't know I was go- when I was going to wake up, right? I woke up at noon. That day? That day. Wow. And they thought that it was going to be a week or so. They didn't know. They, they, they probably a week or two weeks or whatever. Uh-huh. So at noon, I opened my eyes. I opened my eyes. The first thing I saw was Tony uh-huh. and my wife, Nancy. And they're both laughing. And I'm, and I'm thinking... Why they could possibly be laughing about? <laughs> and they were laughing later, they told me, because obviously they were told that I was going to wake up in two weeks. Yes. And I was going to need therapy to move. And, yes. And I was, I'm six too. I was kicking the bed because I, I didn't, I was, I didn't feed well in the bed. <laughs> uh-huh. So I started kicking the bed hard and then I woke up. Oh, and, so they, they could feel you waking up because you were kicking the bed. Yes. So uh, that's why they were laughing of happiness, saying, this is a beautiful miracle. So I woke up, and I, obviously I, I wanted it to start, <laughs> you know, start giving commands or orders to my kids and saying, uh-huh. hey, what are you doing here, or this, this, and that, or uh-huh. hand me this. But I couldn't because I had the tube. Oh, the, down your throat. The, 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 yes. So it was impossible to talk, obviously. Uh-huh. So being me, I I request a, a, a paper and a pen, and I start writing. Okay. I start writing, I want this, and what uh-huh. are these people doing here, and this, this and that. <laughs> and so it was it was, it was was a, a beautiful um, experience, uh, waking up, being able to do everything, everything. And, and now the, um, the, that was the way back, right? Way back from from that that opportunity, that blessing that God gave me. Said, "Okay, I am going to give you another chance." This is me thinking. Okay, I'm gonna give you another chance, but you're gonna have to do your part now. Okay, this is this is not easy. This is not like you know. I'm gonna touch it with something and it's given. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to do your part. You're going to have to trust me. See, I gave you your life back. Uh-huh. You, you're going to have to trust me. And it's going to be tough, the recuperation from this. Mm-hmm. But I built you, I did build you in a certain way, physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can do this. You can do this by my hand. 
but you're going to have to do your part. So I'm telling you that it was pretty, it was pretty tough. How long was the recovery till you felt normal? Mm-hmm. A year probably or eight months. I spent uh, two weeks in ICU. One, one week in ICU and the other week in a normal room, I guess, or a few days in a normal room. Okay. Then I went home and um, I remember coming home, going to my uh, bathroom, looking at myself in the mirror and I start crying. I'm like, what happened to me? I lost like 40 pounds. And um, it looked like more than that when I saw you, I'll tell you that. It, it was It was terrible. And of course... I had a open chest, never been a surgery. Uh-huh. Um, you need assistance for everything, and so it, it, it's a it's a it's a big challenge. But uh, but I knew. I mean, with with the conviction that he gave me, uh-huh. I'm like, okay, uh, I know, I know. Now I know why I was raised the way I was raised. Uh, now I know why I have was built the way I was built. So th- now is my time to do my part, right? What am I going to do with this blessing? I am going to fight for it. Three months later, I'm singing at the retreat, of <laughs> Axe Retreat. I'm singing with you at the Axe Retreat. Three months later, after my surgery. And this is a fall. Uh, this is um one of the other rich, uh, retreats after the one that we went on. That's the second, the, 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 other second fo- the following year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why, why I did this? Well, first of all, we were uh, working on the, uh, on the, and the music ministry, we were working towards this um, retreat. Mm-hmm. And then this happened to me. And beautifully, I was told that they, everybody knows that I love that song, uh, Lord, I Need You. Yes. Everybody knows that I sing it like I'm in, fr- I am in front <laughs> of him when I'm singing it. Yes. And um, so beautifully, th- the music uh, group, the music ministry, they decided to, to pick this song as the theme song of that retreat, knowing that I'm in the hospital. And I didn't, obviously, I didn't know any of this. To me, it was so beautiful and a great motivation that I said, I have to serve. This is the part that I'm saying, I got to do my part. And you're only three months into your yeah. recovery. Yes. And you said it was a year before you actually felt normal. Yes. So during during the surgery, up to those three months, uh-huh. it was it was a, a rain of blessings coming from all the parishioners from Saint Faustina, all my brothers and sisters from my music ministry, bringing food, sending notes, going to the hospital. You were at the hospital with your wife and mm-hmm. with with the group with the music group. It was beautiful. All my brothers and sisters from Max. All my brothers and sisters from the healing ministry. It was just amazing feeling that hog of all that community saying, don't worry, Antonio, let's go. Do your part. Yeah. We'll take care of you. It's beautiful. Fantastic. 
amazing. So I go to the retreat looking like probably like a dead person <laughs> and everybody's telling me what happened to you? People that didn't, didn't know. Uh-huh. And, and, um, this is, I couldn't, I don't, I think you remember, I couldn't even talk clearly. My, my voice, it was because of the tube, mm-hmm. you, you, you got you, your voice, your cord, uh, get affected. It takes a while before it can recover. Yeah. Correct. So, Again, another blessing. Right at the retreat, my voice comes back. Wow. I start singing. Wow. Start singing like the day before the surgery. It was, it was, it was beautiful, a beautiful manifestation. And like you told me uh, before, when you asked me about the retreat, my problems, my financial problems, they were not the same. They were worse. Yes, because you had just undergone major surgery a few weeks in the hospital after getting this major surgery from this top-notch surgeon too in one of the best hospitals in the country or in the world correct with the best uh i mean service that you can ever imagine i had a nurse just for me constantly because i couldn't do anything i couldn't work obviously mm-hmm. i couldn't produce Obviously. So it was, it was really, really bad, my situation. Yes. And then I go to the retreat and I come back from the retreat, like full, completely full of the Holy Spirit, like saying, I don't know how, but I'm going to, I'm going to pull it through. Uh I know. Here comes the other test. I'm sitting in my office, my little office at home. And I got the the bill from the hospital. Oh boy. It was a little bit of a a little bit above a million dollars. And um look <laughs> I'm doing my nails right now. I'm like I'm like <laughs> I, I, I got nervous just by remembering. And this is the very first time and I have confessed this and uh, but I need to I need to share this with y'all that um I I told God, I said, why are you doing this to me? It's only natural to feel that way. You knew, you knew I lost everything. I don't have anything. Yeah. I'm down. I have, I don't even, I, I can not even know exactly the number, how much I am down. Yes. And you put in a million dollars on top of this. Why? Why did you do this to me? A million dollars. So- Wow. Of course, I didn't pay. And of course, they start saying, okay, I'm going to work with you, the, the hospital. And they say, well, okay, we're going to make a reduction. And they make a reduction of seven, 700 and something thousand. You know? So from a million to 700,000. To me, it was exactly the same thing. I don't have anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have it. And they say, okay, you can do uh, very comfortable payments of <laughs> this outrageous <laughs> amount. And I'm like, but thank you, but I don't have any. Yes. It's, just, it's just impossible to do it. But little things start coming here and there, business-wise. Little okay. little tiny things. Okay. And we start surviving and getting this and that. All of a sudden, uh, I remember I was with Nancy uh, Friday afternoon. We go to the mailbox. It's like 5.15, 5.30 in the afternoon. On a Friday, we open the mailbox and there's a letter from the hospital. And I'm like, 
oh my God, I don't need to see this. It's a Friday. I want to, you know, because every time I open it, it did affect me, even though I knew I was not going to be able to pay it. It did, it did still affect me. It's a weight. Yeah, big time. Uh-huh. So I opened it and the, the letter said that they run some kind of a lotto or some kind of raffle every year. Okay. And as a charity, they picked certain amounts, certain accounts, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. And pay them. And they picked mine and it was paid off in total. So my balance was 0.00. We were in shock, um, standing right next to the, next to the mailbox. And, uh-huh. and again, my human side is like, this This is definitely a, you know, a prank or a joke yeah, or something. It can't be real. This, this is not real. This is, it's not true. Of course, I we're wrong back home. I call. There's no one at their office. Because it's Friday after work hours. I waited the whole weekend and I prayed. And wow. I talked to my family. I prayed Monday morning, early in the morning. I called and then the lady explained what I just told you. She said, this is, this is real. This is what happened. We do this. Your account was picked up. Your balance is 0.00. Congratulations. From a million dollars to 700,000. To nothing. To nothing. To nothing. Wow. Yeah. So I hung up. Obviously, I cried and I got on my knees and I told God, thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you sorry you doubted. I will try not qu- to doubt ever again. <laughs> um <laughs> You done all these beautiful things for me, and I still have the audacity to doubt. I'm sorry. That's a question, yeah. Yeah. Um, the way he did everything, the way he laid out everything in order for me, nothing to happen to me, uh-huh. my recovery, and then on top of that, he paid the tab. It's, I mean, uh, th- there's not enough, there's not enough words to express uh how blessed I feel and 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 the how thankful I am to him. So did you feel unworthy? Yes, but at the same time, it was it, it was not me ever again. Uh, something did died in me. The the a lot of things died in me. A lot of things when down I can I can openly said all my bad habits died all of them died at, at that moment uh, at the surgery when he gave me the other the next chance I, I I woke up with a different mentality I woke up this is that that was that was why it was shocking I was feeling in this unexplicable peace uh-huh until I got the bill from the hospital. But all those months, I was feeling like I didn't have any problems. And I had big problems. I was feeling so at ease and peace, unexplicably. Even my wife was sometimes, of course, she was like saying, what is wrong with you? I mean, how are we going to solve this? Uh-huh. And God was sending little Touches. Here it is. Here's this little contract. Here's this little equipment. 
here's this little thing. Uh-huh. People calling me, clients calling me like from years ago. They, I haven't done anything for them. Hey, they didn't even know about my situation or anything uh-huh. like that. Do this. Here's the... Uh, Just a little business here and there. Here's the deposit. Here, and it was great until I got this letter and it throw me down. And then here it goes. Hey, it was another blessing. It was another miracle. Here I am. So after that, you know, it's like, I'm here. How would your attitude have been different if you had not gone to the Axe Retreat and you did not have that spiritual renewal, how would your attitude of going through the entire surgery and recovering, how different would it have been? I would have faced it in a very different way, definitely. I will face it with a lot of anger. Probably I would have died earlier uh, with anger and in, in, um, more, more of my ex or past macho attitude and things like that. And um, thanks, to, thanks to this um, new spiritual life, I was able to 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 face it like that, calm, knowing exactly what I was doing, and um, and at, right at the end looking for him, because at the end when I was looking for him, see all all this process, I was I was not feeling afraid for some reason. Uh huh. No, no, I was not afraid, but when he told me that this is probably the end, it was panic for a few seconds, uh-huh. and that's when I called him. That's when I reach out to him and say, where are you? Uh-huh. And he replied immediately, immediately. It didn't took him a second or anything. He replied immediately. Wow. And I feel like that. I feel like he replies to us immediately at the moment that we call him. But again, you have to do your part. I got, you got to do your part. You, you have to change. You have to, like, 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 this is a good question that you ask me. And if I feel the same, definitely not. Something died. Something died. Uh, after that, I remember in one, in one um, event that we sang, they asked me to sing that song, um, The Hurt and the Healer. Yes. And um, it says beautifully that something in me, something died inside of me, but then you grab my heart and, and blow and and give me life back again. Uh-huh. That's exactly what he did to me. Wow. So I was explained that now I have a mechanical valve. I cannot do this. I cannot do that. I do everything. I do everything. I was swimming. I was running. I was doing everything. And again. they told you we wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to do it until whatever, if my um, system reacts. Uh-huh. Something's also... It's um, helping. It's been helping a lot. Is because I was young, or I am young for that type of situation. Usually, it's much older people, huh? At least ten or fifteen years older than me. So I was able to recuperate like very fast. Uh-huh. And um, again, I went to that retreat three months afterwards. I came back from the retreat. That client called me, and I flew to Miami to take care of some business. I was on a plane uh, three and a half months after my surgery. Wow! It was funny. It's a funny story because uh, I was so I was so excited that I have some business coming in. Uh-huh. They uh-huh. made the deposit of the retainer and everything. Yes. And I forgot to call my doctor. 
I didn't oh, know. To tell I, them that. I didn't know if I had permission to. I don't to know fly. if to fly. <laughs> wow. So I called the doctor, begging him, please say yes. <laughs> it was funny. Um, wow. But it happened, and uh, it, it's a beautiful journey. Beautiful journey, uh, full of blessings, full of um, again. That beautiful reaction of the community is just overwhelmed. It's it's beautiful. So your daughter and your sons were all in college. Yes, at this point. Uh, no, Vivian was fin- Vivian was a, a, a senior in high school. Okay, so you're looking at her starting college soon, and you've got two boys mm-hmm. in college, mm-hmm. and you've got this huge finance. Even if that one million was paid for you still have all this to look look at Mm -hmm. how did you while you were going through all that how did you you know get by financially again when when you start doing your part god responds and then he he i guess he sees me like if i will see my own son reacting or behaving in a certain way Uh and he's been giving me things here and there, here and there. So the business was bouncing back? A little bit, uh-huh. a little bit, nothing like before. I have, in all honesty, I have no expectations of any of that. I know something, most of my uh, professional life has been very successful. Uh-huh. And I know that whatever happened to me, it was for a very good reason. Uh, I am a completely different person. It's full of blessings. Every time I see my kids, I listen to them. I come to adoration and they're singing and they're adoring. And that's worth more than any success. That is my success. That that is is worth more than any million dollars or whatever. So I'm doing my part. Of course, I'm doing business here and there. Uh And everything is, it's, it's going well. It's going well. And... But something else happened uh, during this time. Um, everything was going back to normal. Uh, some of my kids graduated. Some of my kids move up in their school. Yes. I was able to to pull everything in a certain way. We're happy that, that I'm alive. Everything is going great. Everyone is moving forward. And... Um, the pandemic hits, right? Mm-hmm. And we see all these changes and we're trying to adjust. And all of a sudden, I start feeling sick again, feeling um, tired. Okay. A very strange fatigue. Uh, I go to the doctor, of course, because, uh, I mean, my cardiologist has been like my best friend since I got my <laughs> surgery. And um, so I go to my cardiologist and, and he said, no, it's probably this, probably that. They run all this different type of tests. Uh-huh. By now I have insurance, thank God I have a medical insurance. <laughs> so I they run all this type of test and I start losing weight and I start losing all this energy. I don't have appetite. I don't have the same strength that I always have because I love to exercise. I really love to jog and and Uh to swim. And I wasn't able to do any of this. And one day I was just feeling really bad. And 
someone recommended me another uh, cardiologist. Okay. And I'm like, well, let me go and see this cardiologist, but I already have one. Yeah. I go and see this cardiologist. This this doctor didn't run any test on me. He just saw me. Uh-huh. And he said, if I were you, I will go right now to emergency. Why? Emergency room. I think just by the color of your eyes and by the way you look, I think you have an infection. Okay. And I'm like, okay. I go home and I'm like, not again, please. What? <laughs> please, no. I was more afraid <sighs> to go and sit down with Nancy and tell her. I'm like, oh my God. Here we go oh, again. Yeah, right. poor Nancy. I'm going to put it again <laughs> through this. So I go and I said, well, the doc, this is what the doctor said. And she's like, well, let's go. Yeah. Okay. And he said, but he recommended to go to the emergency room at the place where my valve was replaced. Okay. And this is another strange fact. That exact day, it was my it was my second anniversary of of my surgery. Wow. That exact day. So I go, of course they admit me in an in, in emergency. Uh-huh. And nobody knows what I have. So they put me, they run some um cultives, blood cultives. Uh-huh. And um it happens to be that I had a an infection, sure a, enough, a, huh? a bacteria. Wow. A bacteria somehow got into my bloodstream. Okay. And went straight to my valve and sit on top of it. Wow. And it created an abscess. So oh. all of a sudden, I, I landed at the hospital on a Friday night. By Tuesday night, uh-huh. but I know, uh, no, by, by Wednesday night, by Wednesday morning, I'm sorry. The doctor, the same surgeon uh-huh. that did this, comes to me and he tells me again, um, this is really, really bad. This is a very serious situation. So I fi- I'm finding out that this is fatal. Um, the, um, the bacteria have created an abscess. Uh-huh. They already shoot me with a lot of uh, antibiotics uh-huh. that it helped stop this terrible process because it was going to be already uh, dead in a couple of days if I wouldn't go to the hospital. Okay. Um, the bacteria tends, they tend to go to, to tissues that are not uh, human tissues. Okay. And I have a mechanical valve uh-huh. in the aorta. So they, this bacteria goes in there, is in a very dangerous place uh-huh. and they need to perform an emergency surgery again. Again, on your heart. On my heart. But this time, the chance, the probabilities of survival are minimal because now they need to remove the aorta, the valve, replaced everything, and they don't know if I'm going to make it because it's, it's a very big, big surgery. And that's the news that the doctor comes to the room and tells me. Wow. And I'm in the hospital by myself because of the COVID regulations. Mm. And here I am, two years after my two miracles, and I'm thinking, 
what did I did wrong? What did I do wrong? Why again? I, I did my part. I'm a new person. Uh-huh. I got no bad habits. Uh-huh. I'm serving. Yes. Taking very good care of my body. I'm working. I'm doing it. What did I did wrong? Sometimes situations like this happen and when you as human you just can't comprehend and you can't handle i was feeling like i was gonna go crazy how am so they're telling me that probably i'm gonna die in a couple of days or in two weeks or something i was so so desperate then i decided you know what jesus i trust in you jesus i trust in you uh-huh. i am just going i can't with this so i put everything under his feet all my doubts all my anger all my anxiety all my questions yeah and i said here it is i trust in you if you want me to go i'll go wow and i went to sleep the next morning i woke up with this inexplicable peace i'm in peace i am feeling like nothing happened i feel perfect i call my wife to console her i'm like uh-huh. don't worry is this and that obviously nancy is like why did this happen yes and I told the doctor there's a lot of people praying for me doctor all my brothers and sisters from the music ministry all the parishioners from St Faustina my brothers and sisters from acts my brothers and sisters from the healing ministry everybody's praying for me pra- pra- praying is powerful yes i know i'm going to be okay whatever it is i am going to be okay because being okay at that moment that not necessarily mean that I'm going to survive. Yes. It probably means that there's my time and I'm going to go and he's going to take care of me over there and more than me he's going to take care of my family here. Uh-huh. And I'm going to be in a better place. So my conviction is I trust in you. We'll do whatever you think is fine. Uh-huh. He works again and the doctor comes in the afternoon and okay. he says I have different news. I have talked to an expert on this type of um, infections and um it's it's very strange that you are reacting the way you're reacting. So we're going to put you on this pro this um antibiotic uh, treatment for two weeks. Okay. We're going to let you go you're going to go home for two weeks. And it's all going to depend the way you're going to react on this two weeks. Deal. I said, perfect, let's go. So we're not going to operate just yet. Just yet. We're going to see, because you're reacting and that this is this is out of the ordinary, but let's see what happens. Okay. He sends me home. I'm coming home like I am, I'm so happy. Like there's no chance that you're going to. I am so happy. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to see my wife. Uh-huh. I'm going to see my kids. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm very, very happy. And um, 
you know me that I'm always very positive and I'm always yes. smiling. I'm, I love life. So I'm, I'm going home and I'll say, if I have two weeks, that's great. I'm going to live these two weeks. Uh -huh. That was going to be the best two weeks of my life. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to exercise a little bit and do everything that I need to do in order to do my part again. I got to do my part. And um, I had an IV on my arm so they can shoot the uh, antibiotics on it. Uh -huh. And so I took my antibiotics and I was getting better and better every day. And um, so uh, one day we're, we're, uh, we're praying and I received this beautiful phone call. And they were, they were my, my brothers and sisters from the healing ministry. They call me and they say, hey, Antonio, can we pray over you over the phone? I say, sure. So they start praying. And it was so, so beautiful. And at that moment, even over the phone, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit so clearly in me. And it gives me, it gave me the conviction that, hey, don't worry, it's all good. You're gonna, you're gonna heal again. Wow, you're gonna be okay again. Well, that day, we're praying the, the chaplet, the Divine Mercy chaplet. Uh huh. On that phone call, uh, Pete, uh, Sally's husband, mm -hmm. um, he told me. Hey, Antonio, today at three o'clock in the afternoon, say, Jesus, I trust in you three times. And I said, sure. So we pray every day the chaplet. Uh -huh. And, but this time I'm going to remember, I'm going to say it, you know, yes. because you, you told me to. Yes. All right. So here is three o'clock in the afternoon. We start playing the, the, the divine mercy chaplet. It's sunny, humid, hot, like regular day in Houston. Yes. And we're praying next to the window. It's all sunny, all beautiful. We're praying. And um, right at the end, I clearly remember Pete's voice telling me, say, Jesus, I trust in you three times. Uh-huh. And I did. But this time... I said, Jesus, I trust in you. And I, I felt that I said, I said it differently. I said it loud. I said it very strong. Uh -huh. I said it with a lot of conviction that, that I do trust you. I do trust you, Jesus. Uh -huh. When I finished saying the third time and it start, started raining, it, it rained so hard for like, I don't know, 40 something, 45 seconds. Okay. And then it stopped. And it, and it remained sunny. And, and we sat back and we felt the presence of God saying, I am listening to you. Wow. I'm listening to you. Don't worry. You're going to heal. So two weeks are gone. I go back and then the doctor said, now I'm going to an infectious disease doctor. This is the number one doctor in the country wow. for this. 
an older man, very nice man, and then he said, hey, you want to do something different? Let me put you on, on a different antibiotics. Okay. Not IV. We're going to do orally now. All right. I'm going to give you a very aggressive doses. Let's see if your system holds, holds to it because this is your only chance. You want to take it? I'll take it. Let's do it. Okay. So I got another three months with that very aggressive. My system starts working fantastic against that. And I start getting better and better in my energy is back, gaining weight again, exercising uh -huh. again. Amazing, amazing blessing. And here the time comes to do the test to see if my abscess has been dissolved uh -huh. or at least shrunk. Yes. In that morning, I woke up and I and I I told myself, "Oh my God, look at my life! I'm going I'm going to this meeting again with death, right? To uh -huh. see if he's, he's going to leave me alone." <laughs> yeah. And and I said. Jesus, I trust in you. I know you're gonna dissolve my my abscess, uh -huh. right? So I go and um, they run the test. They put you asleep and they put a, they introduce a camera through your mouth, goes through your throat. Oh wow! You go down here and take film and picture of exactly where the valve is. Okay. The abscess remains there, the same size. Nothing happened to the abscess. Okay. Um, I remember the, the faces of the nice nurses and everybody in that room. They were all so sad. Oh. Thinking, not good news. Yeah. Nothing happened to the abscess. Yeah. Um, the bacteria lives inside of the abscess. It's still alive. Yes. It can come out of the abscess. And just take your life. Yes. Anytime it could burst just, and yeah. Just like that. So we come home and of course that was not the news we wanted to hear. Yes. We come home and um, now it's just Nancy and me talking about, okay, so we're going to take the surgery. Uh -huh. We got to schedule the surgery. The following day I had an appointment with the, uh, with a surgeon uh -huh. um, we're gonna do this um, we already know the result um, but let's put our trust in Jesus and let's plan everything that we need to plan so it's it, it's difficult to have those type of conversations oh what's gonna happen if it doesn't work out yes and um, thank God Again, this these blessings have not only been given to me; they've been given to my wife and to my children, mm -hmm. and to the people so around me, the people who I'm in touch with, because they can see the presence of God, uh, forgiving His own and saying, "Here, here again, let's do it again." So she's in a better spiritual life or level in order to understand mm -hmm. and and also believe believe that we're gonna be okay that i'm that we need to trust them wherever the outcome is 
Now, this is a very different experience from your first one, because the first one, you didn't have time to think about what was going to happen or what could happen or what the odds were that you weren't going to make it. This time, you've got the time to think about it. You've got the time to dwell on it and talk with your wife. Okay, odds are I'm not going to survive this. This is what we have to plan. Exactly. And you've got that peace in you now. Yes. So the following day, we go to the um, meeting with the surgeon, right? Okay. This time I wake up so happy. And uh, I said, Jesus, I trust in you. But this time I didn't make a wish list. I said, no wish list. Uh-huh. Whatever, whatever is in front of me, we'll do it, Jesus. We'll, I'll trust in you. I, I, you know, I trust you. We'll take it. So we go to, we go to this um, meeting, this doctor's appointment, and um, we're, we're um, sitting at, at his office, and then the doctor comes in, um, and then he says, um, I am not going to do anything to you. Look at the way you look. You look great. Uh-huh. You're reacting. I'm not gonna do surgery to you. We're gonna, we're gonna see how you react. But I have a good feeling. I've seen your reports. I've seen the result of the test. Okay. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go overboard right now to tell you something that I might regret. But for now, let's just wait. Okay. Let's just wait. Wait for the holidays, and then we'll talk. And I said, what did that mean? That means that you can go home and then we'll, we'll talk. Okay. So I go home and I'm like, well, this is great. Uh-huh. So we go to church, to, to the temple to give thanks, right? And I'm kneeling saying, thank you, God. Thank you for all of this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then I, I felt... Well, that's great that you're giving thanks, but I don't think thank you, it's enough. Uh-huh. You you have to do something. You gotta serve me. You find something to serve me better. Find your plan. Why did I live left you here? Why? Mm-hmm. What is your purpose here? So I get out of that place so full of I know exactly what I need to do I'm gonna pursue it Uh and um, continue with this very aggressive doses of antibiotics to see if I can survive or not okay here we go again six months later or three months later I'm sorry they run the test again on me this time the doctor and the nurses, they're different. They're like, what? you know what? Um, the abscess is the same, but we don't see movement in there. Okay. I said, okay, great, thank you. So I got to the doctor disease, infectious disease doctor, uh-huh. and he said, I don't supposed to tell you that you off the hook, but you off the hook. Really? I think that thing that you have in there is dead. I don't think your bacteria is alive. You can go home and do your life. You just can go home. So I'm like, 
are you serious? Yeah. So I got a phone call from the surgeon and he said, I don't know how you made this, but you can go home. Wow. You don't need to see me in three months or in six months, or I hope you don't see me ever again. Wow. And here I am talking to you. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Everything you've been through. Yes. Going bankrupt. Then going to the axe retreat. Yeah. Even though you were pushed into it. <laughs> Coming out a new man. And then having train after train hit you. Yes. With your heart. And then the miracle of you not just surviving, but surviving financially as well. Yes. With the with the million dollar debt that was forgiven. <laughs> yes. And you thought everything was fine and you get hit again yes. with another train. Yes. In the middle of a pandemic. Yes. And you came out of it. It's amazing. All I mean all the glory to him. It's all because of him. I am here sitting in front of you talking to you because of him. I know I'm a walking miracle. I know it. But I'm here because I need to tell you and tell everybody that he does exist. He exists. And he allowed me to be here. And it's so beautiful. Every time I have the opportunity to, to serve on, on the uh, healing masses, uh -huh. it's, it's another encounter with him telling him, thank you. Thank you. Heal all these people too. All these people that are here. Heal them. Because he does. He is a healer. I am here. I can tell you firsthand. It's true. What advice do you have to somebody who may be feeling down in the dumps, who may be feeling like the weight of the world is on their shoulders and it's just too much for them to bear? What advice do you have to give to them? Like in my case, uh, when you stopped uh, trying to do all by yourself, trying to solve the problem on your terms and just by yourself, and you don't include God, you're gonna have, you're gonna make your journey extremely difficult. If you include God, if you let him drive, because at the end, everything is gonna happen regardless of whatever you do. If, he, if he's guiding, and if you do your part, you're gonna see the blessings like a rain, rain of blessings coming on you. When you allowed God to be in your life, when you allowed him to guide. And again, when you do your part, you got to do your part. You got to be obedient, obedient. I feel that connection when St. Joseph and I see him and I, I admire him, his obedience. And the other thing is the trust. I, be, I feel that my ticket to the eternal life and the bag has the word trust. I have to trust. Me, I don't have an excuse. <laughs> Me, I don't, I, I don't have an excuse. You've been hit with it enough times for you to get the message. Huh? Yes. Do you think it's difficult for people to do all that you just explained to admit that you can't do it alone, to trust in God and to, to believe that you're not in control? 
I don't think it's difficult. I think we make it so difficult. I think that we humans make it difficult. It's not difficult. It's, you know, like animals trust their 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 uh, owners. Mm-hmm. Kids trust their parents. Uh-huh. How can you not trust God? And maybe we say, yeah, we trust in him. and But we always want to interfere. And our stubbornness doesn't allow us to do it. I was blessed to be hit like that. I mean, he knew he needed to put me on a bed, <laughs> tie me, <laughs> tube me in order for me to say, okay, you're right. It's you. Let's do it. Uh, but again, uh, I have been obedient. I have shown my trust. Mm-hmm. And he has blessed me with this unstoppable continuous reign of blessings because of my reaction of trust. And when I say trust, again, it's whatever his will is, might be. If that will happens to be that is same with mine, fantastic. If not, he'll he'll know why. And um, at the moment I made those decisions, he hit me with that beautiful peace unexplicable peace. Never felt that peace in my life. And that's why I walk like that. That's why I woke up like that. I wake up every day so happy, so, so happy. Knowing that my God is keep on blessing me and he has a big plan for me down here. Thank you so much, Antonio, for sharing your incredible story of conversion and survival and trusting in the Lord. I hope to see you again soon at the next Axe Retreat. Definitely. And uh, of course, we we hope to see you at more and more masses, you and your family sharing your wonderful talents with our community. Definitely. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much for allowing me to share my story, to tell people again, to trust in him, to be obedient, and to know and understand that he does exist. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you. The pleasure is all ours.